there, everyone. It is Nurse Mo. Welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. How is everybody today? I am so excited that you are here with me for episode 147. And today we're diving into SBAR communication. Before we do that, a couple of quick things. Let's start with our listener shout out, which is from Delaney. And Delaney says, Nurse Mo has saved me from myself. I begin nursing school next week and I am an over-preparer. Nothing more than COVID-19 making this semester a great big unknown. And Nurse Mo literally gave me the ability with her podcast to relax and properly structure my life and schooling to calm me down and ease away the jitters. Thank you so much, Mo. I cannot wait to embark on this journey with you being my go-to help. Delaney, I love it. I'm an over-preparer myself. I totally get it. And I'm glad that the podcast is helping you do exactly what you said. Relax, have less jitters, etc. So thank you so much, Delaney, for taking the time to write that out for me. Okay, so... I wanted to just let you guys know real quick, quick announcement. If you have been eyeing Crucial Concepts Bootcamp and thinking about getting in on that, it's going to go on sale next week, April 5th. So if you're listening to this podcast on the day that it comes out on April 1st, it will be on sale in a few days. So keep your eye on that. You can always follow me on Instagram for announcements, or if you're on my Facebook group, I'm doing announcements and all of that. And then the other thing that I want to let you in on is that if you want to get these podcasts like clockwork every Thursday, all you got to do is hit that subscribe button. Okay, so hit the subscribe button. And every Thursday, it's like a little present on your mobile device. There I am talking with you, sharing all my best tips for nursing school and being a nurse in general. Okay, you guys, so we're talking SBAR today. Communication is absolutely one of the most important factors of nursing and one that I don't think gets stressed enough. So the most common form of communication that you will use as a nursing student and as a nurse is called S-bar. And S-bar was developed in the U.S. Navy, and it was developed to streamline and improve communication between personnel and used a lot on nuclear submarines and has been kind of adopted by the healthcare industry as an evidence-based tool. So SBAR provides clinicians with a systematic framework for conveying important information about their patients, about their patient's condition, and as such has been shown to improve patient safety. In fact, the Joint Commission has identified communication failures as root causes of sentinel events and has identified effective communication as a key national patient safety goal. SBAR provides clinicians with this It's just super simple, step-by-step, easy-to-use format when clarity is critical to patient outcomes, okay? So what is SBAR? SBAR stands for Situation, Background, Assessment, and Recommendation. So situation means what's going on, basically why 
are you concerned about this patient? Background, relevant patient information. This could be their diagnosis, recent vitals, lab results, fluid balance, code status, any clinical information that is relevant to what's going on. Assessment is your assessment of the patient and the situation at hand. And R is for recommendation. What do you want the other person to do about it? Okay. So before we can even begin practicing SBAR or using SBAR, let's say you've got a situation happening with your patient and you are going to call the doc because you need to convey that information to him or her. Something we don't talk about enough is what to do before we use the S-bar. So how are we going to prepare before using our S-bar communication? So one thing to know, let's say, you know, in our scenario, we've got a situation happening with our patient. They need to have it addressed. And the only person that can fix it is the MD. It's something that requires an MD order. That doctor is going to ask you pertinent questions. And it's really best if you can anticipate what those questions are. So you have the information in front of you when you call, when you approach them, whatever it is. So the things I want you to do before using your S-bar, before calling the doc or approaching the doc with a change in patient condition, before going to your preceptor, your charge nurse, whoever it is that you're sharing this information with, you're going to do a few things. You're going to assess the patient yourself. Put your eyeballs on the patient. Even if it's just a very quick, focused assessment, you need your own eyeballs, your own interpretation. Lay your eyes on the patient. Next, go and look through the orders and make sure you don't already have orders in place to deal with the situation you're calling about. So for example, if the patient is hypertensive, like let's say their blood pressure is like 187 systolic, check the medication record for an antihypertensive before you call to get an order for an antihypertensive. And yes, I have done this and it's super embarrassing when the MD says, I already wrote orders for that. And you're like, Oh, ha ha. I was just kidding. Okay, bye. Have a great day. So check the uh, MAR or check your orders to make sure you're not already covered for this scenario. You also want to make sure that you are calling the right person. Many times patients will have multiple physicians managing their care. Maybe there's an attending physician that wants you calling the resident for any issues. Um, If it's a surgical issue, are you calling the surgeon? Are you calling the surgeon that did the surgery or are you calling the um, on-call surgeon? If the patient isn't able to tolerate, you know, something like dialysis, you're calling the nephrologist. Make sure you're calling the right one. When you're getting report on your patients, always get a rundown of the MDs on the patient's care team. Okay, that's very, very critical. It will save you a ton of time when you are having to figure out who do I call about this situation? Get that in report, okay, or get that first thing in the morning when you're going through the patient's chart. You also want to be able to give a very, very brief overview of the patient's 
hospital course, you know, the big highlights of what has happened, the doctor who returns your page or who's on, you know, on staff that day may not be the doctor that admitted the patient that knows the patient best. It could be a resident or someone who's on call. So don't assume that the physician that you're calling knows the patient that you're calling about. You want to be able to speak to their admitting diagnosis, why they were admitted, uh, when it was, any significant procedures that have been done that are relevant to the situation that's happening, such as a surgery or a big diagnostic test. And we're going to do a little practice with these in a little bit, so all this will really come together. You also want to share your concerns with your resource nurse, your preceptor, your charge nurse, whoever that is. They may be able to help you before you call the MD. Unfortunately, for some reason, I don't understand this at all, but some units have a policy that you have to tell your charge nurse before you call the physician. And sometimes the charge nurse does that. I don't agree with that myself. I think you should be able to call whoever, whenever you need help or need eyeballs or need recommendation or need orders for your patient, but just know what the policy is. And it's always good to just kind of like, hey, let the charge nurse know, especially if you're a student or a new nurse or your preceptor or the nurse you're working with, that there's an issue with your patient. Take a quick peek at the most recent MD progress note and end of shift summary from the RN you received report from, just to kind of get an overview of the patient's most recent clinical picture. If this is an ongoing problem for the patient, that's one thing. If it's a brand new acute problem, that might prompt, you know, a different course of action from the medical team. And then you want to gather any specific data that's relevant to the situation that's currently happening. For example, let's say you're concerned, you know, you think your patient has fluid overload, it's affecting the respiratory status. Well, what's their eyes and nose? Go get that information. What fluids are currently running? Um, are they on 200 mils an hour of normal saline and you're calling about fluid overload? You want to make sure you tell the MD, oh, and by the way, do you want to stop these IV fluids that are running at 200 mils an hour? So get the data pertinent to the situation that you are calling about, okay? The chart should be open and available to you when you are approaching the MD or talking with the MD about things so that you can quickly find answers to the questions that may come up. Vital sign trends, allergies, lab results, current meds they're on, code status, all of that stuff. And then the other thing that I like to do before I call is anticipate what the, the doc is going to want to know in order to make an informed decision. Have that information ready or work it into your S-bar communication. So now we've gotten all of our preparatory work done, and we're going to do that pretty quickly, especially if there's a big situation that's happening with a patient. But now we're going to prepare our S-bar communication. So let's do a little practice here, you guys. So we're going to go through S-bar using an everyday scenario so that you can see how it generally works, even if you don't have any medical background, okay? So sometimes with nursing students, when they're brand, brand new and you don't have any clinical knowledge, it can be difficult to understand how something works if the example I give you is all based on you know, like medical stuff and terminology and pathophysiology that you haven't learned yet. So in this little scenario, it's going to be just an everyday situation. Just 
just so you see how S-bar works. So in this situation, you've been woken in the middle of the night by a huge crash and there's a thunderstorm going on and you walk over to your guest bedroom and there's a large branch from the oak tree that's fallen and broken the window. So we've got wind, we've got rain coming in, it's soaking the rugs and generally ruining what had been a great night's sleep for you. So how would you take this situation and put it into S bar? So situation, the guest room window is broken. That's what we're worried about, right? The guest room window is broken. What's the background of this situation? We've got this crazy thunderstorm going on. There's super high winds and we've got that really old oak tree outside. The assessment of the situation is wind and rain are coming into the room soaking my beautiful rugs. And then recommendation would be, let's cover the window and call the window repair guy. Okay, so that is just like super simple, simplified way down to how S-bar works to convey just the critical must-know information. So now let's take it a little bit more deeply and put it to the test with some medical type scenarios, okay? So in scenario number one, we have Mr. Lee, our patient. Mr. Lee comes into the emergency department. He's got shortness of breath. He's had a sudden weight gain of two kilograms in the past 24 hours, and he has some dependent edema. He is speaking in three word sentences and appearing to be working kind of hard to breathe. What other information do you want to know about this patient before you update the MD using your S bar. So at this point, you're thinking that Mr. Lee is having an issue with fluid volume overload. So if you're not driving or not out on a walk with your dog, take a minute, pause here and just jot down what are some other things that I would want to gather? What other info would I want to gather to prepare for my S bar communication? So pause here and then we'll talk about what those things might be. Okay, so whether you wrote things down or not, maybe you just thought about it for a moment. So some things that I would want to go and find out before I travel farther down this path are, does he have a history of heart failure or renal disease? What medications does he take at home? Does he have any allergies? What are his vital signs, especially his SpO2, his oxygen saturation? And I would do a quick physical assessment, quick focused assessment of Mr. Lee. Those would be just like the highlight things, right? So after taking a closer look at Mr. Lee and his situation, we learn these things. We learn that Mr. Lee has a history of CHF, but he ran out of his diuretic four days ago and was unable to get to the pharmacy due to lack of transportation. We know the medications he takes at home are furosemide 20 milligrams BID and some other medications for congestive heart failure. We know he has allergies to lisinopril, hydrocodone, sulfa antibiotics, and morphine. His vital signs are his heart rate's a little high at 106, his respiratory rate's a little high at 26, his SpO2 is 84% on room air. 
But after you put them on 15 liters non-rebreather, it comes up to 93%. Your quick respiratory focused assessment reveals coarse lung sounds and displaying significant work of breathing with sternal retractions. You also note three plus edema at bilateral lower extremities. So we've kind of anticipated some of the information that MD may want. We're ready to plan out our S bar. So there's a S bar template associated with this exercise. So if you are driving, obviously you can't pull over and download that. But if you're at home, download that and then go through this exercise with me. If you're driving, you're out on a walk, go ahead and listen and then come back and do this again with the worksheet, okay? Or if you don't want any spoilers, pause now and come back to this when you can do the worksheet. So download that SBAR template and I will include the link to that. And let's plan out our SBAR. So take a moment to do that and we'll come back and we'll give this a shot. Okay, so you've filled out your SBAR template. Are you ready to give an SBAR to the emergency room MD? Here's what I would say. You might not say the exact same things word for word or in the exact same order, but just see if you kind of got the gist of it, okay? So what I would say is, you know, after calling and saying, hi, Dr. Oliver, this is Mo in the ER, or if I'm approaching him, they already know who I am. My situation is this. Mr. Lee in Bay 7 is in respiratory distress requiring 15 liters non-rebreather to maintain an SpO2 of 93%. So right now, I've got the MD's attention, okay? So when you write out or think about what you're going to say in your situation, think about if you were writing a news story and you wanted to get that attention-grabbing headline in there. Why are you concerned? Yes, you're concerned that he has fluid overload, but why? You're concerned because it's affecting his respiratory status. The key thing is he's in respiratory distress, and he's needing quite a bit of oxygen to keep a kind of a borderline-ish SpO2. So that's going to get the MD's attention, okay? Background. Mr. Lee has a history of CHF and hasn't taken his 20 milligrams BID furosemide in four days. He's noticed a two kilogram increase in the past 24 hours. Okay, so that that gives the MD right there automatically some knowledge that this patient has heart failure and he hasn't taken his diuretic in a bit. My assessment of the situation is what comes next. Lung sounds are coarse with three plus edema at bilateral lower extremities. He's speaking in three word sentences with sternal retractions. SpO2 on room air was 83%. Is that what we said earlier, 83%, 84%. So what we've got here is just a quick, quick, here's what I found on my focused assessment. And this lets the MD know lungs are wet. We're definitely got some edema. There's fluid overload happening. He's having difficulty speaking and his respiratory status before we put him on this pretty significant amount of oxygen was significantly worse, 84% on room air. Recommendation. Would you like to put Mr. Lee on BiPAP and give him some IV furosemide? So here's what I'm going to say about the recommendation. You don't always have to know exactly what the recommendation is because guess what? You're not an MD. You're a nurse. Sometimes your recommendation is 
I really want you to come see this patient. Sometimes your recommendation is honestly, I don't know exactly what he needs. I just know that he needs something. Can you please come see him? That's that's it. So you don't always have to know exactly what the MD is going to do. Don't let that prevent you from calling because you don't have a specific order that you're asking for. But as you gain clinical competence, you'll start to see patterns. You'll start to see regular things that the MD will order. So in this case, getting him back on his furosemide is going to be key. And BiPAP really helps a lot with these patients that are fluid overloaded. So in this situation, Mr. Lee is fluid volume overloaded because he hasn't taken his diuretic in several days. So again, furosemide is going to help clear that fluid and BiPAP is going to support his oxygenation while we wait for those diuretics to kick in. The MD may also order chest x-ray to see how the lungs are doing, to see if there's anything else going on, may or may not, okay? So that was one scenario. Let's do another one. So two days later, Mr. Lee's, for some reason, staying in the hospital for a little bit. Two days later, Mr. Lee is complaining of feeling lightheaded when you stand him up to use the urinal before lunch. You check his blood pressure and it's 83 over 44. So that's low, by the way, you guys. If you haven't yet learned that in nursing school, that's a low blood pressure. We're concerned. He's also lightheaded, so he's symptomatic with that. What other information do you want to gather about this patient before we call the MD. This is our pre-S bar. So take a minute if you're in any position to uh, write this down or you can pause it and think through a couple things and then we'll talk about the information that I would want to gather. Okay, so doing our pre-S bar, what info do we want to have available or gather before we approach or call the MD? Well, admitting diagnosis, okay, Blood pressure trends. If his blood pressure is 83 over 44 and it's been 91 for the past two days, that's a drop, but it's not crazy drop. But let's say his blood pressure at baseline is 140. 83 is significantly lower. So just being aware of the blood pressure trends. His fluid volume status, okay? We definitely want to check that. We know he's here. He's got CHF. He's been getting diuretics. What's his fluid volume status? What are culprit medications that could cause this hypotension? Things like diuretics, things like opioids, antihypertensives. Have we given him medications that could cause this low blood pressure? What are his current vital signs? Let's do a quick respiratory assessment since we know he had issues earlier. We just want to check things out real quick. And if the patient has any potential for bleeding or had been bleeding, I would want to get a hemoglobin and hematocrit for anyone or, you know, look back and see what it was for any patient that was hypotensive. But Mr. Lee doesn't have any bleeding risk, so that's probably not going to be um, our priority. We go through the chart and here's what we learn based off those kind of questions that we were going looking for. His admitting diagnosis, again, that CHF exacerbation, his blood pressure trends are as follows. At midnight, so on the night before, it's what today is right before lunch. So at midnight, the night before, blood pressure was 128 over 83. At 4 a.m., it was 107 over 78. At 8 a.m., it was 95 over 61, and now at noon, it's 83 over 44. What does that tell you? We've had a steady blood pressure downward trend over the past 12 hours. 
looking at his fluid volume status. In the last 12 hours, we look in the chart, intake has been about 500 mils. Output, three liters. That's a lot. Any culprit medications? Diuretics, opioids, antihypertensives? Well, he's been getting furosemide, 40 milligrams BID. Last dose was at 9 a.m. this morning. Vital signs are heart rate 115, oxygen saturation 96% on room air, respiratory rate 14. Your quick respiratory assessment shows no complaints of shortness of breath, no increased work of breathing, lungs sound beautiful. And if he had had any potential for bleeding, we would go and glance. His hemoglobin's fine. It's like 14.8, okay? So now we're going to plan out what we're going to say to the doc. So if you want to pause here and try to write it out, great. Think through it for a minute, and then we'll go through it. So for situation with this, I might say something like, Hi, Dr. Oliver, it's Mo from the cardiac care unit. I'm calling about patient Lee in room 4210. He's hypotensive with a blood pressure of 83 over 44 and complaining of dizziness. So that right there tells the doc who I am, where I'm calling from, tells them which patient it is, which room number it is, so that they can quickly look him up as well. Why am I calling? He's hypotensive and symptomatic. Those are my highlights. Those are my headlines. Hypotensive and symptomatic because he's dizzy. The background, I might say, he was admitted for CHF exacerbation on the 30th and has received 40 milligrams furosemide BID since admission. His usual dose is 20 BID. His eyes and nose for the past 12 hours is negative 2.5 liters. So that right there tells the MD he's got CHF. He's on way more furosemide than he normally takes, and he's negative 2.5 liters. So maybe we've over-diuresed this guy. My assessment of this situation could be heart rate's 115, he got really dizzy when he stood at the side of the bed, lung sounds are clear, O2 saturation is 96% on room air, no complaints of shortness of breath. So with this, I'm telling the doc his heart rate is correlating with a volume depletion state, so tachycardia with that hypotension. He got dizzy again. I want to make sure he knows that. And his lung sounds are good and his oxygen saturation is good and he has no shortness of breath. So his respiratory status that brought him into the emergency room because of his CHF exacerbation has improved. What is my recommendation? What do I want for Mr. Lee? Do we want to adjust his Lasix dose and possibly provide some fluids? So in this case, probably want to pull back on that Lasix dose. He was getting twice his normal dose, and he got several doses of that. Pull back. Maybe they would hold the evening dose. Maybe they would give a small fluid bolus of like 250 mils, something like that. So as a result of Mr. Lee being over-diuresed, he's now volume fluid depleted a bit, having some hypotension, probably needs a little touch of fluids and an adjustment on his furosemide. Okay, you guys seeing how this is done? Let's do another one. So in this scenario, that night, Mr. Lee falls while trying to get to the bathroom and bangs his elbow pretty good. An x-ray shows a hairline fracture, and there's nothing to be done for that except immobilization with an arm sling while it's healing. However, it really hurts. After you fill out all the appropriate paperwork because your patient did fall and have an injury, Mr. Lee complains of intense pain 
in his elbow. You plan to call the MD to ask for something for his pain management. So what information would you want to know before you call the MD? What's your pre-SBAR look like? So things that I would want to know about, and you can pause here if you don't want to hear them yet and you want to think about it for a minute. Things I would want to know about in my pre-SBAR are what is his pain level? That 0 to 10 scale is perfect to use for that. Does he have any allergies that are pertinent? And what are his vital signs? Is it safe to give him a something like an opioid if that comes up? So after a quick look through the chart, you learn his pain level is an 8 out of 10, or he's told you my pain is an 8 out of 10. He is allergic to morphine and hydrocodone, so we'll be avoiding those. Vital signs are heart rates 116, Blood pressure, 92 over 53, so a little better than it had been at lunchtime when he had that hypotensive episode, but still a low-ish. Respiratory rate, 22. SpO2 is 98% on room air. So let's plan out our S-bar. What are we going to say? We're going to call the resident, wake him up from his nap. We don't want to um, be annoying. We want to have a clear, concise S-bar for this resident. So take a minute if you want to pause here. Otherwise, let's dive right into it. For the situation, I might say something like this. Hi, this is Mo. I'm calling about Mr. Lee in room 4210. He's complaining of 8 out of 10 pain in his left elbow. And then my background is going to cover the pertinent background information. He fell... Around 2 a.m., x-ray showed hairline fracture, arm is immobilized in a sling, pain is not relieved by acetaminophen. He's allergic to morphine and hydrocodone. So with this background, I'm reminding them that he does have a significant potential reason for pain. He's got a hairline fracture in his elbow. Arm is immobilized, so we're doing that. Pain is not relieved by just Tylenol, but he's got some allergies we have to take into account. He can't have morphine. He can't have hydrocodone. My assessment of the situation is vital signs correlate with acute pain, heart rate 116, respiratory rate 22, elbow tender to touch, blood pressure borderline hypotensive at 92 over 53. My recommendation, can you prescribe something additional for pain management? So in this situation, Mr. Lee has an acute problem. He's got pain. He also has some allergies that need to be taken into consideration. And we want to make sure he knows about that blood pressure because that could be too low for an opioid. That could be something that the MD would want to avoid. So maybe something like Toradol would be given, which is like an IV NSAID. Maybe they'll say ice. And where I work... It's ridiculous, but you have to have an MD order to use ice for pain management. So they may prescribe ice or something like that, or just a tiny dose of an opioid um, instead of, you know, a bigger dose that would drop his blood pressure more. So there you guys have it. That is your basic guide to using SBAR in the clinical setting. If you want to dive into this more, we talk about this in my Crucial Concepts boot camp. We talk about this in my Beyond Boot Camp at great depth. You can download that SBAR template, use that to help you fill it out. And don't be, don't be, you know, there's no shame in your game if you're taking the time to write that out and then calling the doctor and basically, you know, using it as a script almost. That's fine. If somebody makes fun of you for that, then they're lame and you don't want to be their nurse friend anyway. So 
the main things with SBAR. I want you to keep it concise, keep it super relevant, and anticipate the questions and the data that the MD or whoever you're talking to is going to want to know. So doing that pre-SBAR is also really really important. So you can also use SBAR to give end of shift report. And I've got a podcast about that. And I will link to that in the episode notes for you guys. So next week, we're going to be talking about what all happens when you call a stroke alert on your patient who's having a suspected stroke. So I'll see you back here. Same time, same place. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing.